Amen. Well, good morning, NAV fam. What's up? Well, let's take another run at that. There is some like post-turkey tryptophan hangover happening up in here. Good morning, NAV fam. What's up? Good morning and welcome to Navigation Church. Again, if nobody has said this, if you're a guest with us, we're so excited to be just spending time with you, chasing after the heart of God so that what? He can shape us so that we can shape the world around us. So we love that we can just kind of get into his word this morning. And we are actually kind of finishing out, not kind of, we actually are finishing out our series called Wayside. We've been in the middle of this conversation as Pastor David has led us that's really inspired by this book here that is uh, written by a good friend of Pastor David's named Douglas J. Garrisick. And don't know if I'm butchering that name or not, but go follow him, go check him out, read the book for yourself. It's full of things that we just haven't been able to cover in this four-week conversation, but I guarantee you, it will help shape you, shape your faith. But as I said, we are in the middle of this conversation, and I, as one of the staff pastors here, am excited to just kind of lean in. And there are a few hats I wear uh, here at the church, and some of those are the performing arts director, so you may see the worship leader show up during today's sermon. One of them is our NAV students ministry director, working with our NAV students, amazing students, ages 7th through 12th grade, so you might see youthful, uh, you, tr youthfully trying Pastor Aaron, and then, of course, I get the opportunity to serve as our generational pastor here at the church, and so I'm going to bring all my capacity, all my heart, all the truth that I believe God has laid on my heart this morning for you, our NAVFAM, as we finish out our conversation on the wayside. So if you're like, okay, this is week four, I've missed the first three weeks, am I going to be lost? No, because what I'm going to do is going to do a quick recap, a quick review, because we've been kind of taking our cues from these few scriptures directly out of this passage out of Mark 10. And so if we can go to Mark 10, we're going to start in verse 46 and read through verse 50. Again, Mark 10, 46 through 50. The word says this, then they, being the disciples and Jesus, came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, say, leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the wayside or the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So this is the, this is the spot where we're going to find uh, the, the, the blind man named Bartimaeus on the wayside of life, on the wayside of Jericho. But it's important for us to understand kind of what's the, the landscape of this story? What's the context of this story? Because you're like, okay, they're dirt roads. We have some of those. We sing about them in country songs. So like, is that what we're talking about here? No, what we're talking about here, Jer Jericho would be one of the metropolis areas. It's the difference between maybe a metropolitan city outside of St. Louis and going to St. 
St. Louis. There's going to be elements of development that exist in technology and breakthrough and infrastructure that exists, and it's been kind of the crown jewel being Jericho here. And so as they're passing through Jericho, it has this amazing development, this amazing infrastructure that we kind of still take our cues from today called plumbing, calling sewer pipes, calling drainage. And when we talk about Jesus finding Bartimaeus on the wayside, even as this book is called Wayside, what is the wayside? The wayside is this. It's the downward side of the city. Everything flows downhill. Maybe you've heard that expression before. So when these things flow downhill out of Jericho, they flow to the wayside, or another way to say that, the waste side of the city. And so here we have to understand this is why the lowest of the economic kind of tier system are sent out here to beg. Because let's just put our lowest end people, let's put our people on the outskirts, let us put those in need really as a picture of how we really view them, as waste to the city. And maybe, just maybe, a beggar will, uh, somebody will pass by and hear the beggar and have mercy on them. So that's what we're finding Bartimaeus doing here. But he is a man on the outs of life, literally and figuratively on the outs of life, because being a blind man in, in this time and season, it was a major significant disability to functioning. You really couldn't have work. There weren't any kind of programs. There was no ADA development. There was nothing that facilitated him getting further in life because they were just pushing towards uh, all these other facets. So he's on the literal and figurative outs of the city and all the stuff that rolls downhill. And he was stuck with this label, blind. As often as I recount this story today and in the future and every time I tell it, I try not to say Blind Bartimaeus. Because I don't believe we should identify with our disability, our dysfunction, our disassociation before Christ in an interaction with him. I believe we should be tied to the confidence we have in Christ. So I love that we could say, this is Bartimaeus, a son chosen, delivered, healed by Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound like a really good label? Versus some of the other labels, and if you want to go back to week two, you can look at just the different labels that we can put on. This is what we get to lean into, is not being labeled by our dysfunction, our disassociation, our disability. Church, am I talking to some of you? Because sometimes we say, I'm Aaron who struggles with this. Versus I'm Aaron who is conquer, a more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So it's a frame of mind of the culture of the day. And so that's what we see is going to happen in the life of Bartimaeus, who was blind. But we're going to see how his turnaround story takes place here. But here's what I want us to lean into. Here's what I want you to hear that maybe we haven't touched on in the past couple weeks. He may have lost his sight, but there was something left. He may have lost his ability to see, but what we see is his response in the scripture, and it comes out of of 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Not when he saw, because for obvious reasons, but when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Because I believe what is left, his hearing, his miracle came out of what was left. He 
He didn't find excuse. He didn't find uh, just saying, I can't experience because I don't have. He's saying, God left me with this so he can use it. So I'm wondering if there's not somebody here today who your focus has been on what has left you, has what has walked out on you, what has been disconnected from you, a disability, versus what has been brought into and left as a part of your story. Because Jesus uses what is left. Jesus uses the seed of what is left. And I love that it wasn't just that Jesus had to kind of sneak around. No, he intentionally went in the path and there was a testimony of Jesus that proceeded. And when Bartimaeus heard, he's saying, I have what's left and it's gonna get me to him. I'm wondering, church, if this morning, can we lean in with what's left? I don't want you to be lost because somebody, your father, your mother, your coworker once calls you lost, a loser, not good enough. Again, those labels fall to side when we say yes to Jesus, but can you maybe blind to maybe your own foolishness, but you can lean into the word of God this morning and say, that's my Jesus. I need to take hold of that this morning. So I ask that that would be here because he began to cry out as soon as he heard, son of David, son of God. He didn't just say, hey, rabbi, hey, healer. He, he, associated with who Jesus really was. His capacity as God. His capacity which would naturally flow as healer. And he's saying, this is the son of God who I've heard him heal somebody else before. I've heard about blind eyes being opened before. I've heard him raising the dead before. I've heard it. He's done it for them. Can he do it for me? And I'm wondering, church, are there some of you who your prayer life sounds a lot like his? He's done it for them, God, do it for me. He's done it for them, God, do it for me. Son of God, if you've done it for them, do it for me. If you've done it for them, God, you know my name. You know the new label that you want to give me. You know the new shout that you want to be putting in my mouth. So God, I need you. If you did it for them, I need you to do it for me. And I'm not going to shut up, I'm going to shout out. I'm not going to be shut down in the testimony of who my God is, even when others came to rebuke him. It says people rebuked him saying, shut up and let the guy move on. And he says, no, my healing has never been closer. My testimony has never been closer to turning the page. So I want to lean in and see, oh God, what are you going to write with my story? Son of God, I'm going to let my shout out. And so I'm wondering if there's some of you who have been shut up by the situations of your life, but you need to shout out in the character of your Jesus and begin to shape your faith, not be shaped by your fear into what Jesus wants to give you, the miracle eye-opening experience that he wants to give you because our expectations of who God is, Pastor David said it this way, our expectations of who God is sets our expectations of who God is. It seems simple, but it's so true. For it doesn't matter what label we or others have put on us, it matters the label is on our Jesus. So don't shut up. Shout out. Then it says he threw off his cloak and went to Jesus. Because Jesus called to him when others rejected him. Jesus showed him mercy when others showed him malice. And out of response to the kindness of Jesus, 
Bartimaeus threw off his coat, a sign of identity and security with the state, to chase after the security and identity and the security and the identity of the kingdom. So you want to side with the state and what, can say it this way, the world says about you, what culture says about you, what culture says about your past that should shape your future. Or should you lean in to the kingdom of grace that shapes your future, that promises you hope and a future? It's our choice. Throw off the cloak of the world and put on the cloak of the kingdom of Christ. What he was saying in that is no longer I'm gonna be identified with a beggar, those who's on the outs of life. He was saying this, there's no plan B. Or maybe some of you in this room, this phrase will mean something to you. There was nothing to go back to. So there's our recap. There's where we find Bartimaeus in our conversation thus far, and here's where we're gonna go over the next couple minutes, is we're gonna talk about two verses. Two verses this morning that I believe are going to shape our final perspective on Bartimaeus, but also shape our perspective on our individual faith's journeys. So we're going to go to Mark, continue on in the story, Mark 10, 51 through 52. Again, Mark 10, if you're reading along, 51 through 52. Again, these notes and scriptures are also provided in our NAV app, if you don't have that already. But right here we see this is the response of Jesus as Bartimaeus comes. What do, you want from, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What do you want me to do for you? This is what Jesus decides to ask. Do you ever go to Jesus for advice? <laughs> and you're left with a question? And it's like, no, no, no. Giver of all truth, answer please. (laughs) But maybe because the answer we want is one he'll never get because it's coming out of a thought life that's not of his. It's not reflective of his character. So the very nature of him asking this question is an evaluation of where's your faith at, Bartimaeus? Where's your journey at? Are you just looking for another guy to walk by and give you a handout? Or are you looking for a savior to give you a hand up? And so that's why I believe, because in my scripture, if you need proof, did, did Jesus know, already know <laughs> what he was going to say? Clearly knew he was a blind man. Context clues, okay, Jesus is pretty wise. Maybe he used that. But even scripture tells us in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. So, okay, Jesus didn't need help with the answer. But maybe his question was this, what is Bartimaeus' response? Because what Bartimaeus responded with, I want to see, it wasn't practical, it wasn't easy, it wasn't maybe even reasonable. He asked for the impossible. I'm wondering if Jesus wants you to change your ask 
Because you're saying, God, I need you to come into this situation and change this situation. And he's saying, no, no, I need to get you out of the situation to change you, not the situation. And so is there something that our Jesus knows more? Yes. Is there a grace that meets us in the wandering? Yes. Is there a Savior that responds to our cry? Yes. And that's the Jesus we see here. Because sometimes what we want and need are two different things. But Jesus wants to take one and one and make them one. So that what we want is actually what we need. Some of us may need to reevaluate our prayer checklist, our miracle ask of Jesus. Is there a shift in what we need to be asking God for? Because are we asking something that's practical, reasonable, versus asking for the impossible, saying nobody else can do this, nobody else can give me this handout, I need a hand up. God grace us today to not ask for a handout, but to ask for a Jesus with a hand up. Because Jesus had the power to give him a miracle at any moment. It's in his nature, it's in his character, it's who he is. But he wanted to see if he had the faith for one first. The book says it this way, so I'm not going to try to polish perfection here. Jesus wants more than to fix your problems. He wants to fix your faith. Your problems may take care of you for a moment, but your faith will carry you through your journey. And so he's interested in saying, I love that you want this, but I want this because I see down there. I see where you're going. I see the journey that you're called to. And stop asking for me to come into this situation. I wanted to pull you out of that situation. I want to pull you out of the waste side of life. I want to pull you out of the junk and the mire. And you're saying, God, come clean me up here and leave me. But that's not the nature of our Jesus. It's the nature of him to come into our mess and move us out. But one of the stumbling blocks we can do is we can find and we can welcome into our mess but refuse to move because we refuse to change our ask. We refuse to alter our miracle. But Jesus wants to do something different because what you ask of Jesus, think about this, what you ask of Jesus says a lot about how much you believe in him. Let me give you a scriptural context of this. John 16, 23. We're going to put this on the screen as well for you. John 16, 23. Until now, you have not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking. And you can be sure that you will receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. Let's read that one more time. Think about the words. Until now, you've been bold enough to ask, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and your joy will have no limits. Ask for what you want, and you will have joy. Ask for what you want, and you'll get all the things. Ask for what you want, and you'll get God into your situation. No, 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 no. I am a man who believes the word is faith. But my word of faith has to match the faith and character of my Jesus. 
the key phrase in this whole scripture right there is this, enough to ask the Father a single thing in my name. That's the password. That's the authority. That's the alignment that we need to bring our ask in with what is Jesus. So maybe the contents of our prayer checklist needs an evaluation against the content of the character of Christ. And then what I'm asking for look like Christ, because why would he ever give me something that doesn't look like him? Why would he ever give me something that doesn't make me look more like him? My want and my need need to come together, and the only anchor that brings those two things together is Jesus and the nature of who he is, a perfect savior. This is Jesus leaning into Bartimaeus saying, what's your want, what's your need, and where can I meet you and fulfill your need, which should also be your want. So here's some practicals that I want to give you. Just real quick, run through these. Qualities of impossible prayers. Like, okay, qualities of impossible prayers. And, and I want to put these up one at a time because these are the things, like, if you're saying, okay, if I need to change my ask, what should my ask look like? Qualities of impossible prayers. Number one, if God doesn't show up, it won't work. Does your prayer checklist look like that? Or does it look like, if I can do it, done. But no, it requires God's sovereign, providential, miraculous power to step in and shape me for a miracle, to ready me for a miracle. That's number one. Number two, what I am asking for is not in the scope of my natural abilities. I think so oftentimes we can shape our ask based on what we know we can achieve on our own. When's the last time you've asked God for the impossible when it wasn't an equation that required you and it only required him? Pastor David said it like this, I know the word enough to make it mean what I want, but that doesn't actually capture the heart and the nature and the will of Jesus. That manipulates it. So is my prayer and my ask manipulated the minute I try to control it by my own abilities versus saying, God, you have to come through because Bartimaeus, he couldn't see his way out. He had to ask for something beyond his own abilities. Number three, what I'm asking for takes imagination to envision. You want to know what's an active imagination? Closing your eyes and me taking you someplace. Everybody close your eyes. Okay, it's Black Friday. Oh, some of you are already stressed. I can feel the heart rates like, whew, did I get the deal? Let's go here. What does it take for a year from now for your life to be different? What do you want? Is it a spouse? Is it maybe breakthrough in your marriage? Is it to deal with that struggle once and for all? What does that future you 
want. Now imagine Jesus coming into this situation, passing you by the road in this moment where your eyes are closed and he asks you, what do you want? And does your imagination that takes you a year from now, what does that want look like versus maybe the need that he wants to fill today? Is there disconnect? Is there unity? Is there both? You're like, I kind of see it, but I kind of don't. I want to invite you to take an imagination to envision what God has for you. You can open your eyes. As your pastor, here's what I want to say. I can't wait to meet you a year from now. Because I believe if you say yes to Jesus in a journey of following him, who you just took an imagination break to see, I'm going to love them because you're going to look more like Jesus. You're not going to be in the wayside of what you're dealing with, the situations, the relationships. You're going to be different because of your yes, because of your impossible prayers. The final, fourth and final one, I am afraid of what I'm asking for. I am afraid of what I'm asking for. Let's just give you one out of the church playbook here. God, you sold this building, seems decades ago. <laughs> maybe six, maybe five years. I've lost count, just trusting him. But as we take an imagination break, as we dream and cast vision for what's ahead, there have been so many journeys over the past six, seven years. Again, I really have, I have no idea how long it's been. Um, but Jesus with us every step of the way has been beautiful. He's been faithful. He's provided. He's showed up. He's, the facility has not limited our faith. And so when we think about what we might be scared to ask for, is that property too big? Is that building too small? God, give us the faith and the boldness to be faith-filled to ask not what we think we can handle, but God, what God needs. And that is not Pastor Aaron, Pastor David saying we want to make our name known. That is because we are standing here as Navigation Church helping people take their next step. And we look to the future. We see a generation coming to know God. We see a people worshiping. We see people from coming from far away and near. And we know we need a new place. So God, I'm afraid even to ask too small so God, I ask for you. What does your prayer life need to shift in? Do you need to do some prayer work? Do you need to get into your nav group this week? Do you need to just find a nav group this week and say, man, I don't have impossible prayers, but I want them because I serve and all things are possible, God. That's what we can lean into. And you want to know where your prayers can start let me encourage you out of John 3.30 when it says this. 
He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Craig Grishel of Life Church does a series called Dangerous Prayers. Yeah, this would be one. Because greater always sounds good. But me? Less and less? I like me. I'm a good version of me. (laughs) You look good. You look real good. That's for you, Pastor David. (laughs) He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. If I could give you homework, I'd give you this challenge. Write this down, put it in front of you this week, and just take opportunities to meditate on that scripture and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me when it comes to you becoming greater and greater and I become less and less? Because here's what I believe. I have faith for the journey that Jesus is taking on. Last week we talked about it. What are those cloaks that you need to let go of? And what are those cloaks you need to take hold of? Less and less, greater and greater. What are those labels you need to let go of? And what's the label that Jesus has for you that you need to take hold of? Less and less, greater and greater. What is in your hands to help you in the journey? You or your Jesus? So that's the first verse that we're going to talk about today. Here's number two. I promise it'll be a little bit faster. Jesus then says this, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Go, your faith has healed you. He didn't lay hands on his eyes. He didn't spit in his eyes. He didn't go, bling, and like, ha, Like, it wasn't just any of that. It was just say, hey, thanks for meeting me here. Thanks for taking a step towards me. Thanks for allowing your faith to be stretched. Thank you for allowing your faith to shout. Thank you for allowing your faith to shout louder. Thank you for your faith to believe that I'm just the son. I'm not just the the son and an itinerant preacher and a, a person who's here to evangelize and encourage. I am here to be the son of God. Jesus saying, thank you for embracing me for all that I wanna be for you. He had the faith to throw off his coat. He had the faith to ask for the impossible because here's what we need to see, church. Miracles don't just require faith. They develop it. For every miracle, and I did this little thing with our team huddle with all of our volunteers this morning. I said, I believe you've already experienced a miracle. And we just did popcorn testimonies of people saying how God had showed up and Jesus was already a miracle in their life. And guess what? Not anybody had to like really search to see how Jesus had showed up in their life because he is already required, he's already developing their faith through the miracles he's already walked you through. And we're going to talk about your initial miracle already that I believe many of you have said yes to, but we're going to get to that in a moment. But he said go, which to me, that's clear direction. Go. 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 Immediately he received his sight 
and went down the road and followed Jesus. Do you remember the first verse we read out of verse 47? They were heading out of Jericho on their way out of town. And here as Jesus meets them in the middle of where Jesus was and where Jesus was going, encounters Bartimaeus, gives him new sight, gives him the miracle, he says, go. And Bartimaeus is like, yep, following you. What beautiful surrender it is to say yes to Jesus. But what even more beautiful surrender it is to follow him in your surrender. I got it. Yes, I'm going to go back to where I've always been. You don't receive a miracle to take you back where you've been. So stop asking, stop expecting. When you receive that miracle, it's for you to see anew and start anew in the journey that he has called you to. So church, where's your journey today? Where's your faith? Where are you mobilized as Jesus comes and gives you a miracle? Yeah, I want to follow you. What is our response to our Jesus this morning? Because in the same way Jesus responds to us, we have the responsibility. Say responsibility. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as people taking their next step in a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to hear and respond. Let us not become good in hearing, but horrible in responding. Your response gets you out of the wayside. Hear the word from the Lord, and respond. We love when Jesus responds to us, and Jesus likewise loves when we respond to him. And many of those here today are already living in your biggest miracle by the wayside. Because Jesus, for so many of you already, has already met you in your mess. It was your day of decision it was your decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior. It was your decision to become a disciple. It was your decision to say, from this day forward, I will follow you. You're the king of my heart. But have maybe some of us stayed in that moment versus stepping towards where Jesus is moving. I don't want you to stay in yesterday's miracles, which were meant to propel you into tomorrow's journey. And so I want you to begin to wrestle with that. I want you to begin to ask yourself, what a miracle am I already? I love that I've been able to sit around in nav groups, small groups, different groups, serving opportunities, church, worship services, and I've seen you all worship already from the testimony that you already are of a miracle. I can look around the room and see all the health miracles that are sitting in the room. I can look around and all the, and all the financial breakthroughs. I can look at all the ma marriage miracles. I can look and see the, the different places where you've been pr praying for a prodigal that has wandered and they've come home. But guess what? You are still a miracle. And if he did it for them, he can do it for you. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. Can you help me out? If he did it for them, he can do it for me. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. But what 
what happens when your testimony on the other side of your miracle where you begin to follow Jesus is this. Your miracle becomes your main tool for evangelism. Because if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Becomes, if he did it for me, he can do it for them. And you take a step towards your coworkers. You take a step towards your family. You take a step towards your broken marriage. You take a step towards your wandering child. You take a step and you say, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. But if he did it for me, I can take an imagination break and see the joy that he has in what he's doing already for us. So let our prayers be this. Let our faith be this. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. But let the miracles of your life also shape and develop your faith that if he did it for me, he can do it for them. And pray impossible prayers for the people around you. Pray impossible prayers for your spouse. Pray impossible prayers, parents, for your children and your children's children. Pray impossible prayers for your church. Pray impossible prayers for your pastor that I believe by the blood of Jesus there are no blood clots that will be able to develop in a way that cut off the life flow for the walk and the journey that you are on. But God, you've developed my faith that if you've done it for me you can do it for him and I believe by the power of our testimony today that some of you need to begin to cry out for those in your life because they need to draw on your faith you need to be the Bartimaeus in their story you need to be the place of faith that's stirring up that I know your situation looks like the wayside but introduce the wayside to your way maker and see what will happen he made a way when there's no way. You want a worship song? Here's the worship song. That, where's the worship leader stepping in and putting the hat on? If you need to worship your way through it, throw on Waymaker this week and begin to set your atmosphere, not of fear, but of faith. And if he did it for me, he can do it for me, them. God, make us the utterers of impossible prayers so that the world, our church, our families, and me can see the God of impossible at work. I want to tell you a story. Some of you may know a gentleman by the name of Brian. He uh, plays drums with us, one of our drummers, amazing gifted drummer said yes to Jesus a long time ago. But about a year and a half ago, he found himself in the wayside. He and his wife. Because about a year and a half ago, she was given a diagnosis of stage three ovarian cancer. And as she sat with that diagnosis, as they sat with what that a year from now could look like. There are a lot of possibilities. But there was one impossible prayer that they decided to lean into. Now, part of the nature of the treatment, the radiation, and then ultimately a hysterectomy, left their hope 
for a family desolate except between treatments and a hysterectomy, God used what was left over. They were able, oh, yo, yo, don't clap yet. We haven't even got started. <laughs> Slow your roll. Premature celebration, premature worship. Give it a minute. God takes his time. This word immediately is ha-ha funny. What we see happen in their story is this. Between radiation treatments and a hysterectomy, they were able to do an egg retrieval. They were able to do a fertilization process. And would you believe there was one viable egg that they were able to take? So they went on this journey. Hope for a future diagnosis, can I say it? Death. But they leaned into thoughtful physicians. They leaned into people who knew what they were doing, but they also leaned into the faith of their Jesus. Some of the most powerful, impactful worship that I've ever seen come from Brian when he has been left out here. Maybe you know his song. It's Yes and Amen. He would sing that worship song from a place of faith over his fear that faithful you are, faithful forever you will be, and all your promises are yes and amen. And you'd see him, and if you followed him on Instagram, and you could see him like, I remember amazing, apparently we should do some like worship services in, in, uh, car, in car garages. I think that, parking garages, there's the key word. You put cars in the parking garage. Um, I remember hearing him worship from, worship doesn't happen in a parking garage until you're in the middle of the mess and you don't wait till you come to church. You gotta start worshiping right where you're at. You gotta worship in the mess. You gotta worship in the wayside. And you lean into this moment and Brian leaned into this moment and we have seen such medical progress happen in his wife's health. I I don't have my phone up here, but even this past week, he sent a, a text update that even scans are showing no growth. Scans are no showing no happening. We are seeing healing happen in Jessica's body because of the faithful yet impossible prayers they dared to ask. They didn't go back to where they were going. They started their story in this direction and said, if he did it for me, me he can do it for them and they have a youtube channel called crocs in the kitchen that started off with one intention which it still maintains heat healthy eating habits their personal weight loss journey but what they've been able to sprinkle within that is their lots and lots of followers is they've been able to sprinkle seeds of hope faith and jesus along the way And so now they have this audience that they didn't see coming because God is taking to somewhere where they couldn't have imagined going. But he used it. And remember, he used what's left. Because on Friday, October 13th, if we can throw this up, they welcomed their baby girl, Elsie, into the world. Even what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for their good. 
and they're still in the middle, but they're not going back to where they were. They're walking it out, and their prayers of faith that said, if you've done it for them, you can do it for me. If you've done it for them, you can do it for me. Their prayers have now become this. How is it that a dream became a prayer that I'm now holding in my arms? How is it a promise that that God gave Brian years and years and years ago before he was even married, that he would be able to be a good father, to be able to father when he looked like he was going to be fatherless. Yes and amen. Faithful you are. All God's promises are yes and amen. So I'm stepping out because if he did it for me, he can do it for them. Church, I'm here to tell you. What is your response this morning? Do you need to pray from a place? And this is okay. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. But if maybe some of you sat in your salvation story too long, that you're stuck where he started versus going to where he wants to take you. Because the miracle is the start of your journey. It's not the destination. Because here's what I want to encourage you this morning. Here's my final thought. The miracle that you have wasn't for blind Bartimaeus that he was no longer blind. For Bartimaeus, it was that Jesus met him in the wayside. That's the miracle. Because you're not blind, you're not by a wayside, but you have your own wayside and you have your own struggle, you have your own label. But what Jesus wants to do in this moment, in this time, is he wants to meet you and take you. Meet you and take you. You get your miracle. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to respond with the faith of Bartimaeus? So I want to pray for those of you who may be stuck in your miracles you're beginning, but you haven't taken your next step. I want to pray for you in a minute. But could everybody bow your heads, close your eyes? If there's those of you with us today that have never maybe said yes to Jesus, this is your moment for your miracle. This is your time for breakthrough. This is your time to take that next step, throw off the cloak, throw off the label, and take hold of Jesus. I feel like even if somebody's watching from home, you're watching through tears, you're watching through fear, God is here to instill faith. My prayer for you is this, say this prayer with me and take your next step towards Jesus. Take hold of your Savior who doesn't have a hand out, has a hand up to you. And church, can we pray this prayer with them? Dear Heavenly Father, I need you to rescue me. I welcome you into the middle of my mess. I need you, Jesus. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. You are my Healer. You're my new beginning. And from this day forward, you're the King of my heart, the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, for each and every other person within the sound of my voice that maybe finds himself in the wayside, maybe finds himself releasing a shout but being rebuked and not having the courage to say a second shout, God, I meet everybody right where they're at. Why? Because that's what my Jesus does too. Jesus, come meet in every person in the journey that they're on, in the place that they're at, 
and lead them into their next step. Lead them into a, a nav group that will encourage them in the next step. Lead them into a conversation with somebody right after church, even lunch, into a next step. Lead that person watching online to reach out to the moderators as they're dropping comments in for them to reach out. Let go of the past, take hold of your future, take hold of Jesus. And God, I have a heart full of gratitude for what you have done but I also have a heart full of gratitude for what you're about to do. A year from now, things will look different because of a decision we make today to follow you. So God, give everybody within the sound of my voice the boldness to follow, the boldness to seek, the miracle that they need, not just that they want. speak an infusion of faith that Jesus Christ is our living hope. I speak specifically against any weapon of the enemy that would even try to trip them up this week. If you find yourself in that spot, lean into Jesus and lean into community of believers. Accountability creates sustainability. Take your next step towards accountability in your faith journey and kick fear to the curb. Because this today, for even those already who've said yes to Jesus, is your new beginning too. God, you become greater and greater and I become less and less. Jesus, you are my miracle. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for taking this journey through the word. I hope it has been uh, able to shape you, maybe challenge you, encourage your faith, strengthen your faith, stretch your faith. But guess what? This is your beginning. So maybe if you're thinking, what's my next step? Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time today. Uh, if you're watching online, our moderators are dropping a link for you to interact with them. But again, if you made that decision today, I encourage you to go to our Next Step Center. Our all guests, we invite you to go to our Connecting Center. But here, church, get connected with the NAV group. Get connected into an environment of accountability that creates sustainability for the promise that God still wants to deliver in your life. Say promise. We're going into a season uh, where we celebrate the promise of Jesus who came. As a newborn babe, as a newborn king, we celebrate the miracle of Christmas. And so we want to invite you back next week as we kick off our brand new Christmas series called A Christmas Miracle. You're not going to want to miss the exciting journey that Pastor David wants to take us on as we begin to encounter the Jesus of those old days laid in swaddling clothes in a manger speak something truth to our new life today. Amen? Thank you so much for being with us. We bless you as you go. Thank you, NAVFAM. You are loved. You are valued. You have a place. You belong.